0: Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, in celebration of Black History Month, Andrew is joined by David and Tim Barton as they discuss the numerous black heroes of America.
1: History's a lot more diverse than we realize. It's just that we don't know the stories yeah. and the diversity of our history. See, we, we give dates, names, and places today.
2: We don't give stories yeah. and people, we don't tell the stories.
0: And now, here's Andrew.
3: Today, I'm continuing interviewing David Barton and Tim Barton, and we've been talking about heroes, black heroes in American history. Most people haven't heard these things, I never have. I TELL YOU, THIS HAS BEEN BLESSING ME AND INSPIRING ME. YOU ARE GOING TO BE BLESSED. SO STAY TUNED AS I INTERVIEW DAVID AND TIM BARTON ON TODAY'S GOSPEL TRUTH.
2: SO WHEN YOU SAY so, the SLAVERY, OH, THAT'S A WHITE THING. TIME OUT, if, IF RACISM IS A SIN, IT APPLIES TO EVERYBODY. SO AS YOU JUST MENTIONED, WHAT HAPPENED, THE FIRST CASE OF RECORDED SLAVERY IN NORTH AMERICA WAS A BLACK MAN WHO WENT TO COURT for the right to own other black men, Anthony Johnson in, in Virginia. So that's the first example of that's where slavery got its legal start 1600s, in America. 1600s, that was 1600s. That was early 1600s. Uh, but if you go beyond that and, and just go elsewhere, let's, let's go to 1860 because 1865 we end slavery. The last census we did before ending slavery was 1860. 1860, you, we know how many slaves were in the South. How many were in the North? How many were in every state? And South Carolina and Louisiana and Georgia are, I think, the three states who had more blacks than they had whites because of slavery. So let's take South Carolina. You take South Carolina
1: according to statistics, and these were compiled. And and let me start, so I I know what he's gonna say. Not everybody in those states, not all blacks in those states were slaves. That's right. Because you did have free blacks even in the South. And of those free blacks in the South, slavery was a pretty strong institution in the South. So if you're a free person in the South and you had some money, you might be looking at slavery, which is now interesting when you look at some of the black population in these states. Because in South Carolina,
2: at the time the Civil War began, 43% of free blacks owned black slaves. Wow.
3: I've never heard anything like this. 26% in Georgia,
2: 20% in Louisiana. The the numbers are there for every state. So if it's a white problem, why are blacks owning blacks? It's a human problem. And then if you say, you know what? Interesting thing, 1865, we abolished slavery in the United States, but that did not apply to Indian nations because they're not part of the United States. They're their own separate, independent nation. Slavery lasted longer in the Indian nations than it did in the United States. And at the time of the 1860 census, for the five largest Indian tribes in America, they had the highest percentage of black slaves of any group in America. One out of every eight members of those five large Indian tribes was a black slave. And they had black slaves after America
1: banned slavery in, in 1865 because they're not part of the United States. Well, and this is something that you made a point earlier that even for the founding fathers, they were born into a culture that embraced this. This was embraced worldwide. I, I had a conversation with a professor one time. He said, you can't say that America is a good nation because we had slavery. Because we didn't give women's rights to the 1900s, and I just thought, okay, let's let's talk for a second. I said, if you're saying we're bad, and the standard of measurement you use is slavery, can you name any nation in the history of the world that never had slaves? And he couldn't. And I said, okay, so so by your standard, every nation in the history of the world is a bad nation. Well, that's true, right? <laughs> every nation has. We all had our. Well, problem. and that's because we've all sinned and fallen short of the word sure. of God. Nobody's perfect. But I said, okay. Now, can you name any nation where white people actually fought a war against white people and then freed all of the black people? Because I only know of one place it's happened. And, and he was a little disgruntled professor, so he wasn't very happy. Mm. I said, okay, well, let's take, let's take women. I said, where do women enjoy more rights than in America today? He said, Well, I'm not talking about today. I said, Well, I know you're not. But but just, just for the conversation, where do women have more rights than in America today? He said, Well, nowhere. I said, okay. What nation gave women rights before women got those rights in America? And he couldn't give me a nation. I said, here's the problem. We judge America on a standard that we judge no other nation by. If you looked just at history, if you kept things in the context of history, what was happening in the world at the time, you would look and go, well, sure. America wasn't perfect, but they were fixing a lot of problems before anybody else in the world was. We would be more impressed with America if we knew the context of the history of the rest of the world.
2: Let me give you an example of that because we were just in a museum talking about how intolerant the Puritans were. And the Puritans. We weren't talking about that. Well, that's right. That was
1: told to us. That's right. It was in the
2: the writings of the museum. We hold a different position. Because it's talking about how intolerant they were. And the Puritans came here in 1630. And, And the thing I like pointing out is okay, you're saying they're intolerant. When they left England on the ship, Annabelle and other ships, to get here, there were 223 crimes in England that were death penalty crimes. When those, Pel- when those Puritans got here, they created their own legal code and had only 15 crimes that were capital punishment. So you and can we look still at,
1: might look at some of those 15 that's and right. go, wait
2: a second, you're putting somebody Again, in death for what? Again, you got to put it into what? the context. But when you look at 223 down to 15, that ain't intolerant. That's a, you know, they are so far ahead of the rest of the world. Now, you look at them to us today, we say, oh, they were intolerant back then. WELL, LOOK AT THEM IN THEIR TIME.
3: THEY'RE SO FAR AHEAD. AND SO LET'S TAKE THIS SAME THOUGHT THAT uh, WE SAID IN 1808 IS WHEN THEY SIGNED THE BANNING OF IMPORT AND EXPORT OF SLAVES AND THE SLAVE um, OWNERSHIP WAS LOSING POPULARITY. AND AGAIN, I'M JUST SAYING THESE THINGS BASED ON THINGS I'VE HEARD. YOU CORRECT ME. BUT uh, IT WAS ACTUALLY WANING UNTIL I THINK ANDREW JACKSON CAME IN. AM I CORRECT? But ja- JACKSON BROUGHT SEVERAL THINGS IN IN THE WRONG DIRECTION. BUT I MEAN, ALL OF A SUDDEN THERE WAS A RESURGENCE there was. OF PUSHING SLAVERY PRIMARILY yeah. OUT OF THE LOVE OF MONEY BECAUSE THAT'S WHAT Very SUSTAINED THE this SOUTHERN right. THING. And, AND TECHNOLOGY. Now, NOW YOUR TECHNOLOGY COMBINED
2: WITH SLAVE LABOR CAN MAKE YOU MORE MONEY. And so you're not principle-driven. And there's always people who will use the Bible to cover what they want to do. You know, the Bible talks about a a colloquial licentiousness. And so there were preachers in the South who said, oh, the, the Bible supports slavery. Uh, Jesus said, "My mission is to SIT at liberty the captive." That's what he said when he read the scroll of Isaiah in Luke 4. I'm here to bring deliverance to the captive. So how how is slavery Luke
3: 4:18? That's the only thing
2: I've been able to quote all.
1: That's
2: right. <laughs> you guys quoted all these so, dates. So you, you have people that under the color of a religion will always do stupid things. And some of the preachers in the South tried to excuse slavery. And, and there are some Jewish rabbis who wrote in favor of slavery. Said no, when you look at the Old Testament's in favor of slavery. Now, Isaiah 63 is what Jesus was quoting when he said, I'm here to bring deliverance to captives. So you, you always have that kind of stuff happening. Um, and, and so, but it was the technology combined with the love of money and especially the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And now you can really make more money with the technology you have. And that's where it really
3: turned in the other direction. And so this slavery that we see depicted in the uh, Civil War and stuff, it actually was on the wane until what, the eighteen. 18- 30s or something, and then the Missouri Roughly, yeah. Compromise and on and yeah. on. And this is what gave birth to the Republican Party. It was birth to end slavery. Well, you already had anti
2: slavery movement out there, and uh, it, Congress had done three specific things to help bring slavery to an end. 1789, the Northwest Ordinance, 1790, it was George Washington signed. Uh, NO NEW TERRITORY CAN COME IN THE UNITED STATES IF IT HAS SLAVERY. SO HE SIGNED A law THAT said YOU CAN'T BE A PART OF so THE UNITED George STATES. SO GEORGE WASHINGTON DID THAT. WASHINGTON DID that. 1790. IN 1794, HE BANNED THE EXPORTATION OF SLAVES. WE WILL NOT ALLOW AMERICA TO BE INVOLVED IN SLAVE TRADE. WE'RE NOT SENDING SLAVES ANYWHERE. Uh, 1808, JEFFERSON side, SIGNED THE BAN ON THE IMPORTATION OF SLAVES. SO CONGRESS HAS MADE THREE MAJOR STEPS IN, in GETTING SLAVERY CORRALLED. 1820, YOU HAVE A CHANGE IN POLITICAL THINGS THAT HAPPEN IN CONGRESS. And now for the first time, Congress says, you know that, that law George Washington did in 1789? That's not fair. We're gonna overturn that. So they, re- they repealed the provisions of that law and said that instead of all territories having to come in as the United States is anti-slavery, that's not fair for our brethren in the South who have slaves. Here's what we'll do. Starting right now, states come in in pair. Every anti-slave state that comes in, you have to have a pro-slavery state that comes in. So wow. Maine came in in 1820s as an anti-slavery state. Missouri came in as a pro-slavery state. So for the first time, we're now starting to build slavery in America again. Then you get to 1850, an abominable law, the Fugitive Slave Act. And then you get 1854, the Kansas was that, that the Dred Act. Scott? Uh, no, Dred Scott. That was somewhere around Dred Scott there. was in 57. And it wasn't a result of that law. It was a result of Missouri Compromise. It was a decision that dealt with that. So that's really where you see the growth of it. Politically, it shifted in Congress in 1820 when they started repealing what the Founding Fathers had done and then started moving in a different direction. And then to to make it seem like that they were mainstream, they quoted the Bible and quoted the Founding Fathers. Hey, Founding Fathers wanted slavery.
3: No, Washington signed the anti-slavery law you just repealed. ALL RIGHT, SO WHAT I'M GETTING OUT OF ALL THE THINGS WE'VE TALKED ABOUT THIS WEEK IS THAT THERE WAS CERTAINLY SLAVERY AND THERE WAS ABOMINATIONS uh, DONE, AND WE DON'T DISTRACT FROM THAT, BUT THREE-FOURTHS OF THE COLONIES WERE AGAINST IT. THREE-FOURTHS OF THE STATES, WHEN THEY they, uh, BROKE AWAY, WERE AGAINST IT. AND and WE WERE MOVING AWAY FROM IT. AND SO WHAT IS TYPICALLY DEPICTED IN THE CIVIL WAR ABOUT THE uh, HATRED uh, OF THE NORTH AND THE INSTITUTIONALIZATION OF SLAVERY, THAT REALLY IS SOMETHING THAT WAS A RESURGENCE. WE WERE MOVING AWAY FROM THOSE THINGS. MAN, WHAT YOU SAID ABOUT WASHINGTON uh, BANNING the, THE EXPORTATION OF SLAVES, I'D NEVER HEARD THAT BEFORE. SO AMERICA, THE SEEDS OF FREEDOM WERE SOWN, AND IT WAS BEGINNING TO GROW. And then it was, what,
2: the mid or the... Now, remember, a lot of this was birthed out of Christian biblical thinking people in revivals like the First Great Awakening. When you get to the Second Great Awakening, it polarizes because in that movement, now you've got the love of money that's in there and Christians using their beliefs and using the Bible to cover their beliefs. And so you have the the um, Charles G. Finney's and others in the Second and Great Awakening. And what was
3: the dates on the Second, second Awakening.
2: Great Awakening? Second Great Awakening, it happened in different parts of the country, different parts of time. So some parts of the country, 1790 to 1810. But generally, you look at the Great Awakening from about 1800 through about the Second Civil Great Awakening. War, se, second Great Awakening, thank you. First Great Awakening, 1730 to 1770, thereabouts. And in, in Virginia and others, the Second Great Awakening is kind of 1790 to 1810. And the rest of the nation, it kind of goes from about 1800 to the Civil War. So it's different periods of time. But there's no question that, uh, like Charles G. Finney, who is the, the great voice of the Second Great Awakening, he and Lorenzo Dallin, Charles Clay, and, and uh, Richard Allen, others. But just Finney alone brought probably 100,000 people to Christ. You know, he had a university that if you're going to be part of this university, you're going to be in the abolition movement. and so Helping with the Underground Railroad. Yep.
3: You See, again, people don't know this. They no. just think that Americans were all uh, <laughs> yeah. racist well, and slavers. D-
2: they don't know how many white guys were killed trying to free blacks. Like uh, there, there's a great example with Elijah Lovejoy, who is a preacher. Uh, he was up in, in the New England area, and he went to the frontier. He went out to the Missouri Territory, and he was a he was a newspaper editor and he wrote editorials against slavery. And remember, Missouri came in as a pro slavery state in eighteen twenty. So he's out there as a preacher in a newspaper, secular news we'd call it secular newspaper, it wasn't a religious newspaper. It was just a newspaper. And he's whacking away on slavery and they came and burned his presses and they attacked him and burned his presses. And After three times of burning his presses, he says, I'm moving across the river. I'm going across Missouri to Illinois because that's a free state. I can can go over there and do it. So he gets over there, starts a newspaper, writes an editorial on it. They came across the river. They not only burned his presses, they murdered him. So they killed him. And he knew he he was going to get killed. He talked to his brother about it. He said, look, I can die at my post, but I can never abandon it. And I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to be quiet on slavery issue. It may kill me but I will not stop talking. And so Elijah Lovejoy is, is the guy who gets killed in Alton, Illinois in 1837. He becomes a martyr for, and, and, you know, these guys we don't hear about. But what's interesting is he and his brother, Owen Lovejoy, who's also a preacher, they ran the abolition movement all throughout Illinois. And they realized that, you know, you can't get good policy if you don't have good people in office. It was the Lovejoys who recruited Abraham Lincoln to run for the state legislature as an anti-slavery guy who becomes an anti-slavery president. And when, when Elijah Lovejoy got killed, Abraham Lincoln said, there's no more significant event since the time of Columbus. This is the most momentous event that's happened in the world since Columbus was here. Was the death of Elijah Lovejoy? Nobody's ever heard of him today. You know. But that was such a, a similar time where that a white pastor FIGHTING FOR THE RIGHTS OF BLACKS, HE OWNED NO SLAVES, AND HE TOOK A BEATING FOUR TIMES WITH HIS PRESSES, AND THEY FINALLY ASSASSINATED HIM. I MEAN, THOSE ARE THE KIND OF GUYS WE JUST HEAR NOTHING ABOUT.
3: SO MAN, THIS IS PAINTING A DIFFERENT PICTURE THAN WHAT MOST PEOPLE HAVE. THERE'S ALWAYS BEEN GODLINESS, FIGHTING yes, EVIL. Right.
1: ALWAYS. AND um, always. and
3: it's and IT'S BEEN PAINTED AS NOPE, THEY WERE ALL RACIST, THEY WERE ALL right. PRO-SLAVERY, it's not, they were, AND THAT IS JUST NOT TRUE. IT'S NOT TRUE. MAN, THIS HAS BEEN TREMENDOUS. I tell you the people watching this I'm saying to you that you need to get this material that we're offering because I know that on the uh, tapes that I listen to that you have a lot more stuff that we hadn't gotten into. We're going to go for another week and so praise God hopefully we'll get into some of that. But we've already covered things that that I bet you 99% of the people watching this have never heard and it's going to give them a different perspective on everything. Again, not to say that there weren't terrible things done. Right, there were. But, BUT IT SEEMS LIKE THAT WE'VE CHERRY-PICKED ALL OF THE BAD THINGS TO PRESENT AN IMAGE THAT ISN'T uh, ACCURATE. AND WHEN YOU STARTED SHARING SOME OF THESE uh, BLACK HEROES OF THE AMERICAN REVOLUTION AND ALL OF THESE THINGS, MAN, IT JUST CHANGES. IT CHANGES EVERYTHING. IT DOES. IT'S AWESOME.
2: YEAH, there THERE IS SO MANY GOOD HEROES OUT THERE, SO MANY INSPIRATIONAL STORIES. AND, YOU KNOW, WE'RE TOLD IN ROMANS twelve twenty one, 21, the, THE GOOD OVERCOMES THE EVIL. AND IT DOES. There's more good. Yes, there's evil, but we've had more good than we've had evil, which is why we keep knocking
1: down the bad things along the way. But the good has always been from Christians standing up and doing something, being biblical, which is one of the things we appreciate so much about you and your ministry and Karis is that you're helping raise up a new generation of people that want to pursue truth and know what the Bible says, because as much as we care about America, if we don't get America back to following biblical principles, our nation's in a lot of trouble. But every time we had issues in our nation, it was always Christian standing up to resolve those problems and fix those issues. We just need some more Christians standing up. That's right.
3: But you know, the scripture says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make yeah, you free. Right. But it's only the truth you know that that's makes right. you free. Sure. And people, I'm sure, have been set free to hear some of these things that you're saying because they didn't know this right. stuff. That's right. You know what you don't know is killing you. Yeah. Yep. And we have had a lot of misinformation. So, man, I think this is just
2: awesome. Thank you brother for for putting this out there. Thank you for what you do at CARIS with all the kids there and putting truth in them. Well, we've thank only you got We've got
3: less than 10 minutes, maybe 9 to 10 minutes left to finish up this first week. Is there anything that you want to hit uh, amplify on? I think that yeah. I just now remember that I'm not Questions. sure you ever finished the story of Phyllis completely. Well, I think okay. we interrupted you. We
1: this week, we've done a lot of we've covered a lot shotgunning it and, and a lot of things. So Phyllis Wheatley was someone that at the end of the revolution, uh, the the family that bought her actually did give her her freedom. Not only did they give her her freedom, they bought her a house.
3: And, and for those, you know, we have people that have been watching different days and not everybody's seen the whole thing. So they might not. So have seen this was a covered. little six
1: year old girl. Brought to America. She was uh, brought as a slave from Senegal, Africa. Couldn't speak any Um, English. She, when she got to America, the Wheatley family, they they didn't have slaves. They had lost a daughter who was, would have roughly been her age. The Dad sees her and you can just imagine the compassion in his heart. I can't, I can't leave this girl there. Out of
3: compassion, he buys a slave,
1: not out of
2: uh, oppression or racism. He doesn't want to see that six-year-old girl go into slavery. I mean, he is, and he's got a good family and- Yeah, there even are it. some
1: inter- interesting examples in American history where you had many Quakers at times who would buy slaves to free them from the life that otherwise they might be. And, and, and let, let, let me say, we talk about
2: slavery. We talk about the fact that there were 12.7 million slaves brought out of Africa in 350 years. That's 350 years. There are 40 million slaves in the world today. There's more slavery today than in the history of the world and we're
1: caught up over something that happened 350 years ago. How about being caught up over what happened Which, today? Right. There, there's nothing wrong with saying uh, slavery was so bad in America. But if slavery's bad, we should still be fighting it today and probably turn some of that energy to stopping and, and, it.
2: And uh, one of the, I, I happen, I happen to head an organization <laughs> that we rescue slaves today the last 3 years about 35,000 slaves who brought out of the middle east sex slaves and others and it's not an easy thing two of our guys have been killed rescuing those slaves one of our guys been shot 17 times and is still going back and rescuing slaves it is it, it is something that does not change over time and so
3: this highlights a, a fact that you've mentioned a number of times, and that is that the slavery exists. We're against it, but how do you stop it? You can't yeah. just go in and wipe everybody out. It's a process, a- and, you can't and just our focus... founding
2: fathers That's right. It's us. a process, and you can't just focus on 350 years ago. Let's focus on right now, today. Oh, did you know your iPhone was made by a slave in China? As a matter of fact, one of the most interesting stories I've had, a friend of mine um, got, got some slaves out of China, and they were Christians, and so they were there for They were there with the pastor and at Christmas time they were there and the first Christmas they've had in freedom and they brought the Christmas tree lights out and they started hanging them around the house and this Chinese woman just broke down and started sobbing and just started sobbing. This is a joyous time. I made those lights when I was in China. When I was a slave, that's what I made when I was in China. See, we, we even are buying, we don't think about slavery today. So we want to condemn people 350 years ago for having slaves. We're buying stuff today. Tennis shoes we get is made with slave labor and 40 million slaves in the world today. And we're actually. Patronizing that movement. So what people are
3: saying, well, man, I'm against this. What do we do? What, are you willing to give up your tennis shoes? Are you willing to give up your Christmas you Go somewhere life?
2: else. You might have to pay a little more.
3: You know, get stuff made. But see, in this America, is the whatever. intricacies of it. It's not yeah. as simple as just That's saying, exactly. I'm against slavery, exactly right. and so therefore let's just do all of this. It's so interwoven. Right. In the South, it was a part of their uh, finances. I mean, the, the finances the of economic, the South the would economics. have collapsed if they had just broken off yeah. slavery. They weren't, yeah.
2: dis- they weren't a diversified economy. Texas found that out in the 80s. We were all oil. Well, now we got high tech and we got service industry and we got but everything But in the north, else. they were diversified. They were they diversified. They had
3: industri- industries. And so that's one of the reasons it was And more In the extreme. south,
2: they weren't diversified. And when slavery fell,
3: it was an economic
2: collapse.
1: All right, six
3: minutes. We've got to finish here on Phil. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is the second time <laughs> we've been That's okay. So
1: well, the, the point is that the family, the Wheatley family that bought Phyllis, supported her dream and endeavor. And... Phyllis's story actually does have kind of a tragic end, but the tragic end comes when the Wheatley family died. She was no longer able to make a living off her poetry, couldn't afford the house. She ends up, there was a a guy who said, hey, come with me, I'll help take care of you. We'll get you back on your feet. And he just used her name and took out loans and then ran off and left her in debt. And very sad, she actually died a debtor the way her life ended. What's interesting about her life though, is not only was she the first published poetess in America, but also it does give a little more complexity to the issue that not everybody maybe in this scenario is an example that had slaves was necessarily racist. Although that seems super weird to say today, But there were some some good-hearted, godly people. I mean, you know,
3: indentured slavery is actually promoted in the Bible. Sure, well, it they, allows it; it doesn't necessarily promote it, but it allows it, and well, that's they, how most people came to. Indentured slavery is actually using yourself for collateral yes. because Anthony
2: Johnson, we talked about, was the the black man who owned the first slave. He came as an indentured servant and it says, "Hey, I want to get away from this country. I want to go to freedom in America. Uh, it's going to cost me." whatever it was, to get there. I've got $500 in my bank account. Would you loan me $10,000? Well, yeah, I'll loan you that. When you get there, I want you to pay me back. You work for me for seven years, and I'll get my $10,000 back, or whatever money amount it was. So an indentured servant was simply using yourself as collateral. It was not slavery at all. It says, you're willing to make a loan to send me there. That's what I want. I'm signing the paper. I agree this. I'm gonna work for you seven, 10 years, five years, two years, whatever it is. to get a... So indentured stuff is, is really
1: taking out a loan, using yourself as collateral. And that's not slavery, not slavery at all. In, in the midst of this discussion, there's so much complexity to the issue as we've been talking all week about these things. And it is hard sometimes to wrap our mind around it, but dad, I'll back up to something you said earlier this week. That when you look at some of these black heroes, these aren't just black heroes; these are American heroes, right. I and mean, they're some of our yeah. heroes. That's right. And I think even one of one of the traps we fall into in modern culture is everybody has to fit into their group, and so this group celebrates this, and this group celebrates this, and this group has this instead of going, wait a second, no. Americans. Let, me, let me
3: just interject this, and I'll get your opinion on it. But, you know, there's some people that if you don't call them an African-American, they take great offense at you just saying black. Now, we've been using black all week long because it's Black History Month, and I figured that must make it okay. But I've actually got some friends and students that have come up to me and says, you can call me anything you want, but don't call me an African-American. Yeah. I am an American and they resent the fact that they are somehow or another not a full blood
1: American or something just because of the color of their skin. Well, and there there was a great speech, I believe Teddy Roosevelt's the one that gave it about hyphenated Americans and said, no, if you're an American, you're an American. And and this is something even unique about America because America is, it's the only nation that no matter what your background, you can become an American. You can't go to France as an American, all of a sudden, now you're French. No, that's not the way that works. America was much more about a spiritual reality than it was anything to do with any kind of physical reality.
3: And we are losing that. Very much so. it's really causing the American. Well, the, the the more
2: secular become, the more group oriented become. Because the less secular you are, you look at Revelation 7, the last day gathered around his throne are people from all races, all tribes, all nations, all languages, casting down their crowns before the throne. That's the way it's supposed to be. He doesn't care where you come from or what color you are. And that should be where Christians are. And so to be group conscious or to be color. If I if I do this, I can't see myself. I don't know what color I am right now because I can't see what I am. And so for me to think about myself differently because of what I can see, that's so superficial. You know,
3: hopefully it's what's in here that God's looking at, not what's out here. You know, E.W. E. Jackson, this friend of ours, he, he's got one of the greatest statements that he says, if you could just with a swipe of your hand, make everybody the same color. And if everybody had the exact same color of skin, then they'd look at your eyes, and some people would have brown eyes, yeah, blue right. eyes and blue eyes. We'd make groups out of it, And you would start making groups, and you would start passing laws against all brown eyed people and stuff. Yep. It's just evil it is. inside of man. Yep. And we use these other things as excuses for just indulging our flesh. Well,
2: let me throw out, uh, because we've, we've hit stuff this week that is gonna be a lot of new information for a lot of people, maybe shocking for some, maybe you know, ruffled feathers for others, who knows where it is. But I wanna go back to something that happened. We talked about um, Woodrow Wilson and what he did as a progressive. One minute. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson as a progressive brought in a lot of bad things. One thing they brought in was they changed the way we did education to where we, we used to teach students how to think, now we teach them how to learn. So as learners, we receive. You know, I heard the three fifths clause. I heard the founding fathers were all. I heard that Thomas Jefferson slept with Sally Hemings. And what you need to do is what Jesus did. Jesus in the Gospels asked three hundred questions. You shouldn't receive everything you hear. You ought to ask questions. What's the source for that? Where'd you get that? Is there another side to the story? Is there more that you didn't tell me? Critical thinking. It, you need to do critical thinking and stop being a learner and start being a thinker. And as thinker, demand truth, demand evidence. Go back and say, I want truth. I DON'T CARE WHAT YOUR OPINION IS. i want
3: TO SEE FACTS. SO LET ME uh, ENCOURAGE YOU. THIS IS A uh, DVD OR CD SET THAT WE'RE PUTTING OUT. AND THIS NOT ONLY INCLUDES EVERYTHING WE'VE SAID THIS WEEK. WE'RE GOING TO DO ANOTHER WEEK OF THIS, AND IT WILL HAVE ALL OF THIS ON THERE. PLUS, I'VE INTERVIEWED DAVID IN 2009 AND 2013 FOR TWO WEEKS. SO THIS IS A TOTAL OF SIX WEEKS OF TEACHING ABOUT AMERICAN HISTORY, THINGS THAT I GUARANTEE YOU MOST OF US HAVE NEVER HEARD THIS COULD CHANGE YOUR LIFE. I REALLY BELIEVE THAT. AND SO THIS IS GOOD. WE'VE GOT IT IN CD OR IN DVDs. AND THEN ALSO WALL BUILDERS WILL HAVE ALL OF THAT INFORMATION ON THE SCREEN. YOU CAN GO DIRECTLY TO THEM IF YOU WANT TO GET THEIR AMERICAN HISTORY IN BLACK AND WHITE. THAT'S WHAT WE'VE BEEN TALKING ABOUT THIS WEEK. AND I TELL YOU WHAT, IT'S AWESOME. AND WHEN YOU SEE THEIR DVDs, IT will—they WILL HOLD UP ALL OF THESE THINGS, VERIFY EVERYTHING, AND I THINK IT WOULD BE A TREMENDOUS BLESSING. So. THANK YOU, TIM AND DAVID. YOU GUYS ARE
1: AWESOME. IT'S BEEN A PLEASURE. THANKS, BROTHER. Appreciate GOOD to be WITH YOU.
3: APPRECIATE YOU BEING WITH US. SO THANK YOU. GOD BLESS YOU, AND MAKE SURE YOU TUNE IN NEXT WEEK AS WE CONTINUE WITH DAVID BARTON, ANOTHER WEEK WORTH OF uh, OUR TEACHING ON BLACK HISTORY MONTH.
0: TODAY YOU SAW A PORTION OF ANDREW'S INTERVIEW DISCUSSING BLACK HISTORY MONTH AND THE ROLE BLACK AMERICANS HAVE PLAYED IN AMERICA'S HISTORY. This entire interview is available as part of the God and Country album, which also includes previous interviews with David Barton discussing America's godly heritage. God and Country is available in either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website